those of you who don't know, um, for about five years, was it, with your family? Mark's originally from South Africa. They've now returned back to South Africa. During those five years that he was in the UK, Mark was kind of our link person from Pioneer. We're a Pioneer church. And he linked, uh, would come and just speak with the leadership team. He's come into the life of the church. And he's given a lot of prophetic words over time. And so it's really significant. And I know Paul was really excited um, when we knew that Mark was going to come this particular Sunday. And I know Mark's heart and what he's got to bring, I believe, is going to be a significant word for us as a whole church, that we are New Life Church Crouch Valley, representing in different locations. So I would just want to welcome you, just bring this across. Oh, thanks, Paul. And um, so, Mark, feel free. you we honour you. Amen. Thank you, Lizzie. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. Am I on? Can you hear me? All good. Oop, there goes the water. Hallelujah. It's a great joy to be with you all this morning. And uh, as Lizzie said, we are uh, back in South Africa, uh, living in Cape Town, which is where we're originally from. Um, and I'm over in the UK just for a couple of weeks. And uh, just a joy to be able to be with you all. And then when Rob said that this was a special Sunday of sending out, I felt extra privileged to be able to be with you and, and to stand in this uh, really exciting time of, of uh, just taking new ground, amen, to see the kingdom of God come, uh, not just in this area, but right across this region. So thank you so much for having me. It's a good time to be with you. And um, I send love and greetings from my wife, Melissa, as well as from our four kids. And uh, we're doing really well, and God's been doing some amazing things uh, in our lives, and uh, I can tell that there's a fire burning in our spirits stronger than ever before, and that there's a passion in our hearts to simply make Jesus known and his amazing kingdom, and to raise up a generation of men and women who will serve God as true disciples of Christ, and, and to see our, our world turn right side up, amen? So, and I know that's what you're about, and, and, and uh, so we've seen God do some really, really great things over the last couple of years. I've had the joy of being in the UK, in India, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Germany, and, uh, and God is doing some wonderful things, but really excited to be with you this morning. So today I want to share a word with you that hopefully will be not just a, a, a teach in a sense, but hopefully be a prophetic word um, for you as a church at this time. And so um, I pray that you would open your hearts and receive all that God has for you. And can we pray together um, as we go before God and, uh, and hear what it is that He wants to say to us this morning? Father, we thank you for this amazing time, this, this beautiful Sunday, Lord, this, this significant moment, Lord, of, of, of just standing up and, and, and taking ground for your kingdom. And Lord, I thank you for this campus. I thank you for the new one, Father. And I thank you that this is one family, Lord, getting ready to go and see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, this morning, I pray that as I share the word that you would speak to me and through me, and that you would open up the hearts of men and women to hear what it is that you are saying to us, Father. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and ask that your anointing and your presence would flow in this time. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So if you have a Bible, would you mind opening it with me to the book of Mark, chapter 3? And um, in a moment, I'm going to read to you a passage of Scripture that I want to speak from this morning. But as you go there, I'd like to just introduce what I want to say to you by sharing with you what I felt God laid in my heart uh, for us at this time. Um, I arrived in the UK on Wednesday morning, and my wife and I have been praying a lot for 
just for the nations and praying for you as a people. And uh, a few days ago, before I came over, we prayed specifically for this trip and, and asked God what it is that he wanted to do at this time. And as we prayed, I was immediately reminded of the story of Nehemiah. And um, I think it's been mentioned, someone said something about Nehemiah this morning and rebuilding a broken city. And as I began to pray, I was reminded of the story of Nehemiah, one that's a favorite one of mine, to be honest with you. And I remembered the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an ordinary man. He was a cupbearer to a king. And Nehemiah heard a report on the state of, of Jerusalem. And when he heard that the walls were broken down, something touched his heart. He was, he was moved by the Spirit of God to the point where he began to fast. He began to weep. He cried out to God. He prayed to God because for him, it wasn't okay that it stayed in that space. And so he went to the king and he asked permission to be released, to be sent. And he went to the city of Jerusalem and he found the state of that city and he began to gather the people. He had a vision in his heart. He had a mandate from heaven. And he began to rebuild a city that was broken. But the specific part that really I felt God speak to me in the story in this last week was this. There came a moment when Nehemiah released the sound of a trumpet. And as he released the sound of a trumpet, I believe that there was a call that was released on the earth. And as he began to blow that trumpet and call out to the people, they all came to him to hear what it is that God was saying. See, Nehemiah had received this blueprint. He had received this instruction from heaven, and he began to declare this on the earth, this call of God to rebuild the city that was broken. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I'm releasing a call on the earth. And I began to reflect on this and, and the fact that throughout the scriptures, how many of you know that God is continuously releasing his call on the earth? So you look in the book of Genesis and Adam and Eve, and even when they messed up, what happened? God came looking and he came calling. He didn't call them out to condemn them. He called them back to himself, didn't he? God released a call over Abraham's life. He said, leave your nation, leave your people, leave your family, and go to the place that I will send you to. God called Noah, didn't he? At a time when the earth was evil, God called a man, and Noah said yes, and he built an ark to save society, didn't he? And I can go on and on. God called Abraham. God called David. God called Ezra. God called Nehemiah. What if God is calling you? What if God is releasing the same call that went throughout the, the, the pages of Scripture, throughout history? What if that same call is being released upon our lives? And when a call comes, I would say to you, we need to respond. And then I began to read and think and reflect on the New Testament. That when Jesus came on the earth, how many of you know he continued to release a call? He came to the earth and he came with a message. What was the message of Christ? It was the message of the kingdom. He died on a cross, declared it is finished. He did it all. He came to bring not just to us to salvation, but he came to bring the kingdom onto the earth. We pray that great prayer. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He came with the message of the kingdom, the reign of Christ, heaven invading earth. But he didn't just come with a message to declare. He came to call. And so in this book of Mark, chapter 3, we hear about the call of God. And I'm carrying in my spirit, and I want to release over to you today, the fact that God is calling us to something too. Does that make sense to you? So let's read together from Mark chapter 13, and we're going to look in this passage of Scripture that there were three calls that I believe Jesus released on the earth, specifically to his disciples. Mark chapter 3 verse 13 says the following. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside 
and he called to himself those that he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Shall we read that again? Let the word of God soak into our hearts. Jesus went up a mountainside and he called to himself those that he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons or to bring freedom as even Robert shared with us this morning. I believe Jesus called his disciples, and I believe that Jesus is calling you, and I believe he's calling me. Number one, I believe that the first call that God, that Jesus released on the earth was the call to himself, okay? The call to himself. You know, as Jesus walked the earth, how many of you know people responded? As he walked the earth, people came after him. The Bible says over and over again, as you read the New Testament, as you read the Gospels, Jesus saw that wherever he went, large crowds followed him. People came from the left, the right, the north, the south, the east, and the west. They came because there was something about this man that was captivating. I remember reading the one day in my Bible, the story of when Jesus fed the 4,000. You might have read it. He feeds the 4,000, but just before he feeds the 4,000, he says this, these people have been with us for three days. Maybe we should give them something to eat. Stop and think about this for a moment. Day one, when they followed him, I don't think they packed picnics and backpacks full of food. We're going to be out there a while. I think they saw him and they went after him. So for three days... Nine meals, these people spent time in the presence of Jesus. They prioritized his presence over their fleshly needs. Such was the nature of Christ. And people did not follow a program. They didn't even follow a vision. They didn't follow a website. They didn't follow any. They followed Jesus. That's what he was like. And I think, what was it about this man? What was it about this man that caused sinners and tax collectors and so-called bad people to go, everything, I want to be near this man? Maybe it was because of the power that was released. Are we praying for the same power of God to be released in this place and in South Wooden Ferris and in Essex and the United Kingdom and the nations of the world where it's not only the words that we declare, but the very presence and power of the Holy Spirit is being released on the earth? Can someone say amen to that? Maybe it was because of the power of God. Maybe it was because of the words that he spoke. When Jesus spoke, people came alive. There was something about his words. They would declare, this man teaches not like our teachers, but one who has authority. There was something about the voice of God, the words of God, that caused people in their spirits to say, I might not fully understand, but something about what you're saying, I say yes to. Maybe it was about his character, his nature the way he saw people, the way he treated people, the way he looked for the gold in people, as Rob and Lizzie so beautifully teach you over and over again, the message of Christ is not one of condemnation. It's one of liberty. It's one of freedom. It's one of looking for the gold in people and saying, all these things have once been said about you that are lies. No, no, let me tell you the truth of who God says that you are. That's the message, Rob, isn't it? That we want to bring to this place. We want to bring to this region. Amen. And so the call of God was the call not to even a structure or a religious duty. It was a call to a person. I'm convinced that when I read my Bible, listen to this, that the question being released in the Bible is not, will you work for me? It's, will you marry me? Because Jesus 
is the one, the groom that comes to the earth. He's the father that comes to the earth. And he says, all I want is your heart. And I want to challenge you this morning. And I want to charge you this morning. As you stay here, as you go there, let the call of Christ be the motivating factor, the cornerstone, the primary thing that we do as we respond as men and women, as we go out into our communities. Let us be inviting people not to something, but to a person whose name is Jesus. So when I read the story and I hear the call, the first call, my friend, is I believe that the call of God is a call to him as a person. Can you say amen to that? But then we read on, and it says he called to himself those that he wanted, and they came to him. Just a side there before I carry on. A response is required. He called, but how many of you know that not everybody will say yes? I charge you this morning, wherever you are in your relationship with God, maybe you're deep with him, maybe you don't know him, maybe you once followed him, I want to tell you this morning, he's calling you, he's looking for you and I to give him a response. It goes on and he says the following. It says, he appointed 12 that they might be, what does it say in your Bible? That they might be with him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. How many of you know these disciples, they did not come to Jesus for a moment, come to a meeting for a moment, and then go home. They came, and what does it say? He appointed them that they might be with him. The first call is the call to him. The second call is the call to do life with Jesus. For three and a half years, these men lived with Christ. For three and a half years, these men learned from Jesus. For three and a half years, they watched him heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. For three and a half years, these people were intimate with Christ. They were transformed by his presence. One can say that they were not only captivated by him, but they were saturated in the very presence of Christ and his kingdom. As a result, they became like him. See, many people see him. Many people are captivated by him. But how many of you know Jesus didn't come to get you to make a decision? Jesus came to transform you into the image and the likeness of Christ. He didn't come to bring people to a place just of believing. He came to raise up disciples. He came, yes, to cause you to follow, but not to follow in your mind only, but in your heart. He called you to see him, be overwhelmed by him, but he called you to live with him and be transformed by him and then take the wooden way of Christ to all of life. And I think that these men, having spent three and a half years saturated and immersed in Jesus and his kingdom, I think they came out the other side looking completely different. I believe they carried the love of Christ the character of Christ. I believe he changed them. He transformed them into the image of himself. I believe they went in one way and they came out a different way. They looked differently because they had been with him. In the book of Acts, I think it's about chapter four, it says that these people noted that these men, talking about the disciples, they were ordinary men, yet they noted that they had been with Jesus. What was it about them that others said, these people are ordinary, unschooled individuals, but there's something about their lives that tells me they have been with Jesus. 
They carried his nature. They carried his character. They were purified by the fire of God, transformed by the Holy Spirit. They gave themselves to Christ and to his word. They built their lives upon the word of God. They came out the other side looking different. They carried his love, but they also carried his power. And I believe God is calling you and I to a place where, yes, we will be devoted to him, but, yes, we will also be surrendered to him and allow him to come in and change our lives. And as Rob said, yes, we're not perfect, but what if Jesus comes and he changes us from the inside out rather than the outside in by our own self-will and effort? You see, when I read my Bible, I see that God does not call us to blend in. God does not call us to blend in. God calls us to stand out. God is calling you out. Not that you would be separate from the perspective of I am better than you, but he calls you to stand out. The book of Philippians says that we will be like shining stars in a crooked and depraved generation. One of the things, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, that I feel is a tragedy is how so many Christians look just like the world. And I'm not calling you to legalism, I'm calling you to Christ, and I'm inviting you to surrender your heart, to get on your knee, declare He's Savior, Lord of your life, Jesus, change my heart, that I would look like you, that people would look at me and they would say, I don't know what it is about you, but you look different, I want what you have. So we call to Him, we're captivated by Him, but then because we're saturated in His presence and His kingdom, He begins to change us from the inside out. We stand out, we shine like stars. Yes, we're not perfect, but we're different, hence we can influence. Does that make sense to you? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but you choose to partner with the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to make you more and more like Christ that you would represent Him in word and in deed. The first call is a call to Him. The second call is a call to be like Him. But then He goes on. He calls them up a mountainside. He calls them to Himself. He calls them to be with Him. And then it says that He might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. If number one, they were captivated by Jesus, number two, they were saturated by Jesus, number three, they were activated by Jesus to go and change the world. The Bible says here that he called them to himself, that he might be with them, they might be with him, that he would send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Having spent three and a half years with Christ, it was as if Jesus said, put your hand out, I'm putting the baton in your hand. I don't know about you, but I love sport. And I used to love athletics, and I used to love running the 100 meters, but I particularly enjoyed running that 4 by 100 meter relay. And I remember I always used to get to run the final leg, and you're waiting, and you're watching number one go, and you're watching number two, and you're watching number three, and I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to move, I'm getting excited because it's my turn to run the race, and my hand is out, and I'm waiting, give me the baton, because it's my time to run. I believe Jesus came, and he ran leg one, two, three, whatever it might be, but he's waiting to put the baton in our hands. He could wrap it all up. He could do it all. He could bring the kingdom, etc., etc. But why is it? I don't know. He has chosen to partner with us. And at the end of his life, in the book of John, chapter 20, 21, right about there, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 18, right about there, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, he says, all authority has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples of all nations. However you read it, whichever gospel you read, the bottom line is he did the work and now the baton's in our hands. He came on a mission 
He accomplished what he was sent for. And now it's our turn to run, not alone, but the Holy Spirit in us, flowing through us, but he requires your yes. If the first call is a call to him, the second call is a call to be like him, I believe the third call is the call to go with him. And I want to challenge you this morning, whether you're going or staying, you're all going because you're going to your city, your community, your region, your nation with this wonderful message of freedom. One of the stories that has gripped my heart over the last year or so is the story in John chapter 11 of Jesus and Lazarus. You may have read that story, and I think the last time I was here, I shared a little bit around this. But the story of Jesus, Lazarus, is all about Jesus awakening Lazarus from the dead. But it's also the story of him untying Lazarus that he might live full and he might live free. And I believe that we are being mandated by heaven not to go bash people over the head with the Bible. We are mandated by heaven to go and awaken a people to who God is, to what he's done for us, to life in the kingdom. But not just awaken them to the beauty and the magnificence of who he is, but to untie them from religion and the dead traditions of man and fears and insecurities and inadequacies and saying you can be free to live the life that Jesus always intended for you to live. John 10 says, I have come that you might have, help me out, life and life to the full. We call to him. We call to be like him. We call to go with him. But what do we go with? We go with the message of life. We go with the message of awaken. We go with the message of freedom. We go with the message of healing. We go with the message of restoration. We go with the message of redemption. We go with the message of turning our world right side up, restoring them back to their creation, purpose, and identity. And you and I are ambassadors of that message. We're called to, number one, to be, we're called to him. Number two, to be like him. And number three, we are called to go with him. Can someone say yum, yum? yum. It's good to be back in yum, yum land. So September last year, I was here. And um, I was with some of you on a Saturday night and a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening, I think, as well. And um, on the Monday, I went down to Chichester and from there on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday was I went over to Germany and spent 10 days in Germany ministering there. And on the Tuesday morning, um, the day before we were going to go over to Germany, I um, got up and I had two friends with me. And I said, before we do anything, let's spend some time worshiping the Lord. And I got my guitar out and I began to sing and worship and we had a great time in God's presence. But the minute I started to sing and play that guitar, my eyes were closed and I instantly had a vision that really was quite profound. And I didn't see it with these eyes. I saw it with the eyes of my heart. And what I saw was this. I saw in the lounge where we were sitting, standing, worshiping, I saw a man walk into the room. Again, not with these eyes, but with the eyes of my heart. But he was clear as if I was seeing him with my natural eyes. And when I looked at this man, I wondered, who is this man? But my first thought when I looked at this man was, where is your army? There was stature. There was authority. There was power. It was as if he was a general in an army. My question was, where is your army? And I felt God say to me, ask me, who is this? So I said, Lord, who is this? And, my, and what immediately came to my heart was this. This is the angel that was with Joshua when they crossed the Jordan and went into the promised land. I was like, oh, wow. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I want you to start to declare a crossing over. I want you to start to declare a shift. I want you to start to declare and speak out a repositioning from the desert to the promised land, from death to life, from brokenness to wholeness, and so on and so forth. I want to reposition my church into the promised land. 
So I go to that story and I think, well, my goodness, is that even in the Bible? Because, you know, it's important that it is. So I read the book of Joshua, which I've read many times, and Joshua 1, which many mentioned today, which is a powerful passage of Scripture. But I get to Joshua chapter 5, and you might have read this before. But they've come through the Jordan. They've come out of the desert through the Jordan, and they're getting ready for the next season. And Joshua, early one morning, goes to inspect the walls of Jericho. That was the first place that God had called them to. And as he goes to these walls outside Jericho, he's standing there, and you might remember, he sees a man with a sword drawn in his hand. And he goes up to this man, who was an angel, the angel of the Lord. And he says to him this, he says, are you for us, or are you for our enemies? What was the response of the angel of the Lord? He said, neither. I am the captain of the Lord's army, and I have now come. Are you for us, or are you for our enemies? Neither. This is who I am. I am the captain of the Lord's army. So I was quite overwhelmed by this. We went to Germany, and I just felt like God says, start to share this word. I began to release this word. I, we saw heaven invade in a, in a church like I've never seen. They said to me, we have not seen God move like this since the early 90s when Toronto came and, and began to what God was doing there came into, into, into the UK. God did amazing things. But I went to the story, and, and over the last while, I've spent a lot of time in the story and, and the exodus from Israel and through the desert and through the Jordan into the promised land. And there are numerous things that stood out for me, but there were two things I want to share with you. The first thing that I noticed is as they came to the Jordan, there was a shift that took place that was not only external. It wasn't only about geography. It wasn't only about place. I believe the greatest shift that happened was an internal one. And the shift that I saw were many, but the one that stood out for me was that these children of Israel had spent 40 years in the desert predominantly receiving. Yes? They would wake up in the morning, come out of their tents. What should we do today? Let's gather some manna. Let's make some bread, have some food, hang around, have a few arguments, do a few things, go hang out with Moses, etc., etc., go to sleep, wake up in the morning, what should we do today? Let's eat again. So for 40 years, what were they? They were predominantly receiving. And then suddenly one day, God says, it's time. Can you imagine the shift that had to take place? Their perspective, their mindset, their response, from being one who received to suddenly you had to become a warrior. And they go through the, the Jordan River. The shift is taking place in their hearts. They go through the Jordan River. And I want you to imagine, though, yes, God parted the waters, they went down, and it was as if they were being immersed in the river. And the shift that happened, not only internally, was they, were, they moved from being immersed, there was an immersion to an invasion. They had received they were immersed in, in prophetically speaking, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant went into the river first. They were immersed in the presence of God, and they never left walking with the presence of God. But suddenly their role was now to invade enemy territory and to bring the kingdom. And when I read that, and I read this Mark chapter 3 this morning, this is what happened with the disciples. For three and a half years, they were immersed in the presence of God. They were immersed in the kingdom. And it's not that I'm suggesting or that Jesus was saying that you ever leave that space. But something shifts on the inside when you realize what I have received, I now need to give away. When Jesus commissioned his disciples, he said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, raise it, so on and so on. He said, freely have you received, now freely give. If we only receive but we don't give, what we do have dies. But as Rob said this morning, when you start to give, at the end of the giving, you find you have more than what you had before you started to give. 
And so for three and a half years, they were immersed in Jesus. They were immersed in the kingdom of God. But then it was time to invade enemy territory and bring the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to say to you, I want to charge you to receive and hear the call to him to be like him, but the call to now go and bring the kingdom of God to the earth. But the second thing that stood out for me in that particular story was when Joshua stood before this angel of the Lord asking, are you for us or are you for against, you know, against us? He says, neither I am, what did he say? I am the captain of the Lord's army. Why did he say that? He could have just said, I'm the angel of the Lord. But what did he say? I'm what? The captain of what? The Lord's what? Army. What does that mean? He is raising an army. He's calling people out. And so this morning, we are here before God, not just to receive, not just to sing pretty songs, although they're very pretty and lovely and wonderful. Thank you, Paul. I enjoy them. That's great. But this is a setup to fill you up, to send you out. And all over the earth, from city to city, from nation to nation, from culture to culture, God is doing the same thing. I spend time in Methodist churches and Anglican churches and whatever this type of church is, and I don't really care what kind of church you are, but here's the deal. I, I care who you are. But all over the world, God, the Holy Spirit, is doing the same thing. He's raising an end-time army that will bring the kingdom of God to the earth. So when Joshua says, are you for us? He says, neither. The real question to ask is not, God, are you for me? The question God is asking, are you for him? So today, I'm asking you that question. I know I'm speaking straight. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Okay? God's calling you. God's calling me. And I can say this to you because I've heard the call. And I've said yes to the call. And I've chosen to lay my life down for the sake of eternity. And I've chosen to not live for myself or for what I can get out of life. I have chosen to invest my life in Jesus and his purposes and to say, God, I am yours. You are mine. I'm like a coin in the, hand, in the master, the hand of the master. Spend me as you will. Send me where you want. My life is not mine. It's yours. God, I want to live for the sake of eternity. And because that has happened, and I'm not perfect either, and I make a million mistakes, but I will tell you, I've heard the call. And I will tell you, by God's grace, to the best of my ability, I have said yes. And I want to ask you this morning, would you do the same? So as we bring this to a close, I reflected on the day of Pentecost. The end of his life, Jesus dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead. Before he goes to, to ascend to his father, what does he say to the disciples? He gives them the mandate. He gives them the commission. But then he says this, but wait, in Jerusalem... Until you receive the gift my Father has promised. Until you are endued with power from on high. The point is this. We have a mandate that is impossible in our own strength, but possible with His. And He said to them, I've put the baton in your hands. But before you go, wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know when I look around this room, all of you, most of you, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. But that infilling of the Holy Spirit is not a once-off occasion. It says to be continuously filled, continuously filled. May the cup of my life, may the cup of your life be overflowing with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So they came and they stood before God. For weeks, it says, they prayed. About 120 of them in the upper room. 
And they prayed, and they cried out to to God, and they said, Lord, fill us with your Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the wind began to blow, and the Spirit of God began to be poured out, and tongues of fire rested on their heads, and took ordinary people and made them extraordinary. Took people who were fearful. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Filled him with glory. Filled him with the power of God. And that same Peter stands up in front of many people and basically gives a history lesson. And the result is this. They cry out saying, what must we do to be saved? It wasn't his clever sermon. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit anointing the word of God that cut to the hearts of people, that caused people to be undone, saying, I need this God that you're talking about. And so I would like this morning, before I hand over to Rob and Lizzie, to have a moment where, number one, we can say yes. But number two, we can position ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by God, to go and bring the kingdom of God to the earth. Friends, I want to say this to you. You have not joined a club. This is not a game. As much as it is great fun, we are joining heaven's army to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. And it is a joyful army. It is a beautiful army. But what we're doing carries eternal significance. Does that make sense to you? If this call is our responsibility, then being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a luxury. It's a necessity. And so we come to feel nice and enjoy ourselves, but I don't come only for those reasons. I come because I recognize that what I am called to, I cannot do in my own strength. I need His power. And to break open hearts, to release people from darkness, to raise the dead, and all these things that are not just, oh, that's nice in the Bible, that is really our mandate. I know that we need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Can you say amen? Does your spirit say yes to what I'm saying to you this morning? There's three calls, the call to him, the call to be like him, and the call to go with him. The captain of the Lord's army is in this room. His name is Jesus. And he stands before you, and he stands before me today, and he says, will you join me? And so I want to ask you this morning, if you say yes, I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet. And I wonder if, Paul, you could come and maybe just... And I, and I have something I want, to, I want to pray over you, if I may, Rob. Is that okay? In a moment, just to pray over Paul. I feel like God's given me a word for him as well. Hallelujah. Woohoo. All right. Before I pray for you, I want to release over Paul what I felt God said to me. Paul, this morning as I walked in here, and I, um, I looked at you, and I'm obviously knowing that there's a repositioning taking place for you and your family and for the whole South Woodham Ferris community, I was instantly reminded of the story of Moses. And I was remembering how Moses had grown up in one place, and then he'd seen the injustice of, of the Egyptians over the people of Israel. And for a moment, he responded, but he, but he, but he killed a man. Not that you've killed a man. <laughs> and then God said, Moses, you're not ready. And he takes him out for a season. And for 40 years, what's happening? God's preparing this Moses. He's, he's spending time with his father. He's investing in his family. He's looking after the sheep, which is a, a, a sign or a, or a kind of a prophetic sign of just taking care of being faithful what's in front of us. And then one day he stands before a burning bush and God says, it's time. And he sends him back, not in his own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit to liberate a nation. And I feel like God wants to say to you, I've done something similar in your life. 
There was a season when you were doing and you were doing, but then suddenly it was like God pulled you out, and it wasn't you, it was Him. And He's been working on you. God has this way of seemingly working on people in obscurity. Many times, God, what has happened? Have you left me? No, I haven't left you. I'm working in you. He prepares David in the wilderness. He prepares Moses in the wilderness, and then he sends him back. And I believe that today is a shift for you. I believe today is God saying, son, it's time to step into my destiny for your life, but not in your own strength, but in mine. So, Father, I thank you for Paul and his family and for that church that's going out, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus, that today as we've prayed for them, Lord God, not only are they going out because they've heard of a mandate, but they're going out of your, out of your power and your, your strength and your anointing. And so we release that to them today, and we say, go forth in the name of Jesus. Jesus name. Amen. So could we, could we close our eyes? And could we... Put our hands out in front of us like this this morning. God is calling. Heaven is calling. God is calling. He's been calling from day one, and he's never going to stop. He's calling you and I to himself, to be a devoted people. He's calling you and I to be a people who are just like Him. You might say, Mark, what is my destiny? I'll tell you what it is. Romans chapter 8 says that you have been predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son. Your destiny is to be just like Christ. He's calling you to Himself. He's calling you to be like Him. He's calling you to lay down your life for what is on His heart. The call is being released. Will you marry me? It's a love call. It's the greatest love story ever told. That is what we are being invited into. That is what we are being commissioned with. The greatest love story ever told. It is a love story. The father wanting his kids. The groom wanting his bride. And he loves you. And he loves this world. And he's looking for a people who will say, I will take this great love story and I will tell them. You know, he calls you to be a witness. You know what a witness does? A witness simply tells what they've seen. What's my call, Mark? To be a witness. You can't tell what you have not seen. Therefore, you must first see. But once you see, once you're captivated, once you've been saturated in his presence, you must tell what you have seen. Your job is not to convince anybody. Your job is to tell your story. Your job is to tell the God story, the God story of a father wanting his kids, of a groom wanting his bride, the God story that he desired from day one and still does to dwell with humanity. That's the God story. God always wanted to, and God still wants to, and always will want to simply dwell with you. It's not about a visitation. He never visits and leaves. He wants to come and move in. Last year I had a dream, and in the dream I saw a lion, which is common in Africa, not exactly where I live though, but I saw a lion, and this lion came onto my property, and I was petrified in the dream at first, but then suddenly I realized that though he was all-powerful, there was this grace and gentleness about him. 
And in the dream, he began to dig a hole in my garden. And he lay down. He moved in. And then the next day, he moved into our bedroom. Like, God, what is this? And the Lord spoke to me. He says, this is Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I felt God say to me, Mark, I'm moving in. I've not come to visit you. I've come to move in. That's the cry of the Father. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would come and dwell with you and with me. Will you marry me? Will you invite me in? Not will you behave right. Not will you obey all the rules and regulations. No, can I move in? Can I move in? Isaiah 66 says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. But where is the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? The cry of God is that he would rest in your presence. Will you say yes to him? And in this moment, before I pray for you, I want you to call on the name of the Lord. I want you to call on Jesus. I want you to invite him to come in. I want you to invite him into your heart again. I want you to invite him into this region, this community again. Into Wickham and to South Woodham Ferris and Basildon and all across Essex and all over the United Kingdom. Jesus, we want you to move in. God, I give you my yes today, Lord. I give you my yes. Call on the name of the Lord. Lift up your voice this morning. Cry out to Jesus. Say, God, I want you. Call on his name. Call on his name. Don't be shy. Come on, people, lift up your voices. Call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jesus. Fill my heart with your presence. Fill my heart with your glory. Fill my family. Fill my home. Fill my region. Fill my community, Lord. Call on your name, Jesus. Give him your yes this morning. The angel of the Lord is standing before you. The captain of the Lord's army is standing before you. He's not calling you to a club. He's not calling you to religion. He's calling you to join his army. He's calling you to say yes. He's calling you to surrender your life, to lay down your life. He's not calling you to a Sunday morning. He's calling you to lay down your whole life. My friend, Jesus did not come and die on a cross so that you could attach him to your lifestyle. He came and he laid down his life that you would do the same, that he would move in and take over and bring life to you. But he said, if you try and save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And that might be scary for some people, but I want to tell you, when you let go, he steps in. When you surrender, he steps in. If you want to experience the resurrection life of the Holy Spirit, you must first die to self. And when you die to self, the very power of the God and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart. And I believe, and I'm going to just say this, Rob, I believe there's people who need to make a big decision today. And maybe you've prayed a prayer before. Maybe you've come to church before. But I would ask you, have you surrendered your whole life to Him? This is not for you to be condemned. This is for you to come to life. And I'm asking this morning, if you have never fully surrendered your whole life and being to God, that you would say, Mark, today, I want to do that. And if you want me to pray with you, 
to lead you in the beginning of that journey. Before we leave this morning and saying, God, I want to surrender my heart to you. I want to surrender my life to you. I'm not leaving this building until I know not just that I'm saved, but that I'm yours. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to put up your hand and say, Mark, I want to surrender my whole life to God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to tell you my hands are raised. I've done this, but I'm going, Jesus, I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. It's not my life. This is your life, God. There's moments when the presence of God comes in a room. There's moments when the truth is revealed. There's moments when he starts to knock on the door of your heart. I would urge you, do not reject the call. But say, yes, God. I'm not calling you to pray a prayer. I'm not calling you to get over the line. I'm not calling you to come get a ticket to heaven. I'm calling you to surrender. And as you surrender, the life of the Holy Spirit would fill your being. It will bring hope where there is hopelessness. It will bring life where there is death. It will bring light where there is darkness. Freedom where there is bondage. That's what he does. So Father, in the name of Jesus individually and corporately we come and we say we are yours we lay down our lives this morning we surrender our hearts we declare that you are the savior of our lives but you are also the lord of our lives we bow before the throne of king jesus fill us with your presence fill us with your word Transform us into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. Burn up every area that is not honoring or pleasing to you. God's raising a holy people, a royal priesthood, a holy people belonging to God. Jesus, raise up your bride. By the blood of Christ, we are pure and spotless in his eyes. Let him come and do what he wants to do in your life. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. Just lift up your voice. Just sing to the King. might want to get on your knees in this moment. Oh, 
Described in the Bible as a sacrifice. It's always described as a, as a surrender. Jesus. The most pleasing thing is when we lay down our lives. Romans 12 speaks about that. This is your act of worship. It says, Offer your body as a living sacrifice, for this is your act of worship. And I'm going to pray for you now before I hand back to Robin Lizzie. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and anoint you to come and cause His presence and His fire to rest upon you for the sake of His kingdom, for the sake of His humanity. The whole church needs to be here for this. And so if parents, if you could very quickly go and get your children and ask the, the, the guys to come downstairs and the guys outside. I, feel, I just have a real witness before you even said it, that the whole church needs to be. So let's just not the, lose this. The rest of you just keep worshipping. Yeah. Just keep knees or standing. We just, I won't say anymore. We'll just wait on the Holy Spirit. Don't lose the focus. Forget about the person next to you. Just focus on Jesus.
to ask that all the parents could you could you keep your children with you if your children are small hold them in your arms if if they're not that small let them stand with you lay your hands on your own children okay lay your hands on your children right now as much as we love the running around now is the time for you to lay hands on your children keep your kids with you hold your kids For those of you who have just come in, before we close the service, we want to pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit and anointing upon our lives. Jesus. For the fire of God to fall on a sacrifice, a surrendered life. And as we've surrendered our hearts, we're now positioning ourselves saying, Father, fill my life. Anoint me with the Spirit. Okay, and I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to ask Rob and Lizzie, would you come and stand next to me, please? That would be amazing. And let's close our eyes and position ourselves in a place of hunger, in a place of receiving. If you're a mom, dad, lay your hands on your child. One hand on your child, one hand receiving for yourself. Okay. God wants to fall not only on individuals, but on families, on whole families. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Moms and dads, make a de- declaration that my house will be God's house. So call on his name right now. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Just say, come, Holy Spirit. 
Just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. If your children are not here today, pray for them too. Pray for them too. If they're somewhere else today, pray for them. Bring their name before the Lord. And ask that the Holy Spirit would come and fall on them too right now. We need, we need a revival. We need an awakening of the Holy Spirit. An awakening of a people who are devoted and belonging entirely to Jesus. That's what we're calling on right now. Not for better strategies or better ideas. We're calling on a move of the Holy Spirit through our lives. And so, Father, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come now. That you would come and fall upon this church. That you would come and fall upon us as a people. Individually, fall on our families, fall on this church, fall on this region, Father. Would you cause your spirit and your anointing to rest upon each of our lives. That we would be awakened. That we would be awakened to who God is. Awakened to what he's done for us. Awakened to the presence of the kingdom. That we would be untied and set free to be the man, woman that you've called us to be, Jesus. Fall on our lives, God fall in our lives, Lord. God, we cry out for a move of your spirit, Lord. We cry out for an awakening, Jesus. Lord, we pray for our children. Pray for your children. Pray for the next generation right now. Lord, we lay hands on them and we pray for them, Lord. Those that are here, those that are in this community, we pray for a move of your spirit upon the children, Lord. That from a young age, God, their hearts would be yours, Father. That they would be captivated by King Jesus. They'd be overwhelmed by the story, Father. We pray for them today, Lord. Jesus. Lord of my house, Lord. Jesus. Lord over my family, Jesus. That's right. Lord of my house, Lord. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Open up the door of your heart. When the book of Revelation says he stands at the door and he knocks, he's talking to the church. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's saying, I want to come in. I want to move in. Open the door of your heart saying, Lord, I give you access to my whole life. I give you access to my whole family. I give you access to my finances. I give you access to my relationships. I give you access to my diary. Lord, I am yours and you are mine. And just receive, receive his presence, receive his holiness, receive his power, receive his resurrection life. Let him breathe afresh into you this morning. Breathe on us, God. Breathe on us, God. Breathe on us, God. Let him touch your body. Let him touch your mind. Let him touch your spirit. Wherever Jesus went, he brought life, not death. Life, not death. Life, 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 life. We speak life to you this morning. We speak life to you this morning. Life to you this morning. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I speak blessing over you in the name of Jesus. Keep your eyes closed. Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to himself those he wanted. He is calling you because he wants you. And they came to him.
let's go to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Today, Lord, we say yes to your call. We say yes to your call. Yes, Lord. We say yes to your call. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.